How's it going, guys? Welcome to another episode of Pool House Hockey. That person you hear in the background is Kendall. She is she is a listener, but not a fan. <laughs> and, and it is the, the wily coyote to my roadrunner trying to uh, shut down the the podcast, if you would. But but we're gonna we're gonna fight through it. And see what we can get. But we, yeah, we, we well, were joined by our other hosts here. We got uh, yep. Evans here, um, and I think that's a great tagline for our show: is uh, listener but not a fan. So, <laughs> and I'm Robbie, and I love that line too. And unlike these two, I think I'm the only one in a hockey degree weather. That's true. Is, but, is that your joke, Robbie? Well, yeah, I'm. I'm. It's eight degrees outside right now. Robbie, you got to you got to deliver it with some more punch, man. You got to really hit us with punch. it. Well, I'm just trying to wonder who's who's the roadrunner in this case and who's who's the coyote in Brian's case. <laughs> I, guess, I guess it depends how successful Kendall is. This is true. At the moment, I'm the roadrunner and she is the coyote. You sure it isn't the other way around? <laughs> She's dealing with her uh, Acme box, if you would, of, of devices and tools. Wow. Kinky. Well, let's see. Let's see. All right, so... Um, on the schedule today, let's start off with the biggest news of the week, and that is the uh, Brian Boyle trade. <laughs> the Brian Boyle trade, yes. The other trade that, that <laughs> happened with the Rangers for that terrible player. Yes, Cody McCloyd. Actually, yes. uh, the Rangers getting a seventh for uh, the worst, statistically the worst player in the NHL, or the worst skater in the NHL. Which, uh, at least according to Corsica, right? I mean, right on for the Rangers for being able to accomplish that. That is uh, impressive. That is what every tanking team should strive for. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, Brian, Brian Boyle was traded. I guess uh, Nashville's going for some grip. But I think what we're all talking about, or what at least I was talking about here, <laughs> or alluding to, is the uh, Matthews contract, the Austin Matthews contract. He finally signed. He got a, a decent amount of money. Um, a lot, Who's this Matthews a guy? Lot for, a, for a team. Uh, Matthews, See that bald guy I saw all over Twitter? Yes, he's the future hero of uh, American hockey, you know? Um, <laughs> oh, yes, him. Yeah, not, not Phil Kessel, uh, the, <laughs> other, the other balding American. Um, Nick so, Benino. but um but yeah so looking at austin matthews he he made a lot of money um for what is it five years what are your uh what are you guys' thoughts yeah i thought it was interesting i mean the five-year thing makes sense for both sides because you know toronto didn't want to have to pay that premium which it sounds like it was going to be even a premium on McDavid's eight-year deal. Uh, so I don't think Toronto could afford going forward to pay a player $13 million against do? the cap or 14 or whatever it was he was looking for. Um, so cutting it down to the five years was an interesting choice, a good one for the team in the short term, a good one for Austin Matthews to maximize his earning potential. Also interesting that it was almost entirely signing bonus money. So that both makes that contract impossible to buy out, not that you would, and almost impossible to trade, I would think, because there's probably not a lot of teams in the league that can pay out the one-time signing bonus 
every year of like millions and millions of dollars. Yeah, it is. It is a very, very large uh, signing bonus every uh, every year. Um, yeah, but I think I I agree with you in 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 that the five years. I think it's a good idea for Matthews. It's not like he's gonna be not a premier premier league center when he hits his prime at the age of of 26 27 right um and so when he hits that age he can definitely do uh much longer you know contract demand for really yeah, any team my eight years will now have the cap yeah. space to do that for him uh, uh come that time robbie what are your thoughts uh, personally, I think Toronto's got a really good player. I think he, he earned it, and I'm excited that he's going to make $11 million because I think he's definitely worth that. And will that lead Toronto to the promised land and get a, the Stanley Cup back in Canada? I really don't know, but it's definitely a good start. So it's interesting that you mentioned that because oftentimes when we look at uh, Stanley Cup teams or teams that make deep runs in the playoffs, it's usually because they have uh, – you know, yes, they have their elite player, but they also have a lot of depth. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts on the, right. the possible future effects of of this this cap crunch for Toronto? Well, I think the most immediate question now will be the other guy who's who's up is Mitch Marner, which I think is going to now be a little hard for him to get the contract he'd probably want because of this. Um, you can argue Matthews is a better player, but Marner, I think, leads the team in points, so it's going to be interesting to see what happened to him. Yeah, and he actually led the team in points last year, too, I want to say. So he's got a pretty decent bargaining position, although I guess it probably wouldn't help to say that, hey, you've been playing with one of the best centers in the world in uh, John Tavares all year, and Matthews has been hurt. Otherwise, he'd be right up there, too. So I, I don't know. I think Toronto's going to kind of stand their ground with uh, with Marner in a similar way they did to Nylander. But I obviously Marner is in a slightly different tier than Nylander. I don't think it's like quite as far as people seem to make it out to be. But definitely like the team's going to suffer without Marner a little more than they did with without Nylander. So they're going to have to do what it takes to get him signed, I would think. Yeah, because I was going to mention, though, like if you look at Nylander versus Marner, I'm not saying Nylander's a horrible player or anything. But but he's not as good. He's not as good as Marner, though. So it's like Marner, I think, maybe has just a slight edge over Nylander in, in that sense. So oh, it's for gonna sure. It's going to be interesting to see what's going to happen, too, as well. And he got, he's a restricted free agent. Do you know what teams have to give up if they want to sign him? You know the composition. Well, I think they'd have to give up what? Isn't it like eight million dollars to have to give up like two first round picks or something like that? I believe so. Isn't it like some crazy high amount? Right, but if you're so the interesting thing is because he he can be offer sheeted, um, right? Especially depending right. on how much he valued himself. Now, if you're a team in the Atlantic or even on the just in general on the East. Do you try and offer sheet Matthews to to put Toronto in like a cap crunch, or do you like what do you if you're from the outside looking in? What do you do here? Because my thought is, you know, if I'm if I'm the New York Rangers and there's a player, a young player that you know you can have, you're still sort of rebuilding, but that could definitely become a a cornerstone piece or someone that would make. 
New York more attractive and maybe shorten up the rebuild, uh, right. I think I would definitely try and cons- at least consider it. Yeah. Well, I think it comes down to what his number is, right? So I'm looking at the compensation for next year um, here on Cap Friendly. Mm-hmm. And if you gave if you gave uh, Mitch Marner an offer sheet of um, eight, about $8 million to about $10 million, it would cost you two first-round picks, a second-rounder, and a third-rounder. And it seems to me like anyone in the, in the league would probably be willing to pay that to get a player of uh, Mitch Marner's caliber. Um, anything above $10 million would be four first-round picks, which might be the amount it would take to induce him to sign an offer sheet. So to me, that's... Um, I don't know. I just don't. I don't think he's going to be the guy that you give up, It makes a lot of sense. You give up but, four first round picks for. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I wouldn't give up four first round picks for Mitch Marner because I do think he tends. He's probably a little overrated, but and I mean like that's probably going to piss off Toronto fans whenever anyone says anything bad about their young players. But like he's very good, but he's played with great players all through his career. I think um, there's a guy that does salary cap projections. Um, I think his name is Matt Kane, and they're usually pretty accurate to like what guys end up getting, and they're based on statistical analysis. Mm-hmm. And he had Mitch Marner, uh, his true value somewhere around like 6.6 million. So like, I don't I don't know. I mean, obviously he's gonna get more than that, but paying him like 10 million dollars, right. that's gonna put a crunch on anyone's cap. And if he regress like say the rangers do that right and the rangers don't have that elite center despite that video you sent us the other day brian mika is um, very good he is he is but he's not john Tavares, right so like you put him next to mika's advantage ad is he gonna have a hundred point season or is he gonna have like a 70 point season and if he's producing 70 points a year that's great but so, is it so worth sort of ten million dollars in four first round picks? May, you know? Maybe maybe a good comparison would be um, sort of like what happened to the Rangers with uh, Nemestikov, right? Nemestikov putting up really good numbers playing with Stamkos uh, right. moves away from Stamkos, and it's not <laughs> hey maybe there's a reason this guy was putting up all <laughs> those all those numbers on uh, Stammer's line. Sure, but you could say with Nemesnikov too, like the Rangers didn't give up a ton to get Nemesnikov, right? Right, right. no, like, I agree, I agree. I, I'm just saying, and just as far as, you know, giving something up, uh, I feel like, or someone being, uh, their numbers being a product of, a, of an elite player. Oh, for sure, yeah. And I think, like, everyone kind of figured that out with Nemesnikov, and they haven't with Mitch Marner. Like, I'm just not sure that Mitch Marner is the driver of play that like Austin Matthews obviously is. And, and no one's saying he should get more than Austin Matthews, except maybe his dad. But like, <laughs> <laughs> otherwise, you know what I mean? So right. I, I think Toronto would be smart to hold their ground. And if someone wants to offer him something crazy, maybe maybe you let him go. I mean, I know that would be hard to do if you're Toronto, but that, that would be the line of thought right. but that I, think- I would be thinking. I think that's definitely though the the something Kyle Dubas would do, and be like, well, I value those first round picks over a guy who's a product of of my best player. I can go go out and sign another player to to kind of compensate for that type of production. Yeah, and I mean, like, how many times? That, and that's the thing. Like, when you look at offer sheets, at least in modern history, right? The only one that was accepted was. 
Um, Dustin Penner got signed away from the Ducks by the Oilers, mm-hmm. I think, and that that was the famous um, barn fight instigator right. that, that that made um, Brian Burke say he wanted to fight um, was it Kevin Lowe or whatever. <laughs> so, so and and I mean, I guess I'm I'm trying to think. I'm looking at his contract on here, and. Yeah, so he signed a five-year offer sheet for four point two five million AAV, um, and I guess that worked okay, but it wasn't like great. But then you look at like who else signed offer sheets, right? Like um, Shea Weber, man, that cost contract's a disaster, right? So like you tend to have to overpay people to get them to sign an offer sheet, mm-hmm. and then the teams usually match it anyway. So maybe right. you do screw up someone's cap, and you don't always get lucky and have Montreal to bail you out like Nashville did with Weber. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if you're, you're saying it in the sense of, like, if you're the Rangers and you want to offer, like, the max amount of cap that you can to keep the, the payment at two first-round picks, either you get Mitch Marner for two first-round picks, which is totally worth it, mm-hmm. or... You fuck over the um, the Maple Leafs cap, which I mean, if you're the Rangers, that's I mean, you're just maybe you're just being petty at that point. But I mean, like <laughs> you're you're kind of holding down that team, I guess. So it's sort of a win-win, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I I I think this is just going to be one of those very interesting things we we as hockey fans get to enjoy this off season, or at least look forward to this off season, um, just to kind of see what what's going to happen up in up in Toronto and I, I just think it'll be interesting because I feel like at the moment Toronto's sort of on that they're on the right path they're doing everything right it kind of setting it up to be all right they they will be you know that cup favorite if you would sort of like Tampa and Nashville for a while right and, you know but this this could be one of those pieces that could throw you know a uh, uh Take out one of the the cogs in the wheel and and just completely ruin. Yeah, ruin. Well, it seems momentum. like ultimately they're gonna have to ditch Nylander one way or another. Like, I just don't think he's part of their core. I guess if you're if you're considering your core that Matthews and uh, Marner and, and John Tavares, mm-hmm. it's pretty hard to uh, to. And I guess Morgan Riley would have to be in there too, right? So it's pretty hard to pay that fifth piece. Seven million dollars, right? Or Marlowe, same thing. They're paying him too much money, but it's okay for this year. But going forward, I mean, who who knows? Uh, I did see something interesting though. I think the guy that runs Corsica was um, was asked if a team should uh, offer sheet Marner, and his response was, "You could probably get Sebastian Aho for less." And I mean, like that's that's where I'm at, right? Like my beautiful boy Seb, get your money. Like, uh, you, you do, I think there's lots of RFAs. Like Swedes, and you do like, uh, you do like players in Carolina. So he is, is uh, he's thin, but the uh, sentiment bas- basically holds. a Swede. So he, he is my beautiful boy. All right, well, uh, let's go to move <laughs> on from Toronto. Unless Robbie, did you have anything else you wanted to add? Or I, uh, I think. Uh... I think we're going to see what's going to happen with Marner at the end of the season. I think he just indicated that contracts are not going to be discussed until after a season. And I kind of want to see what's going to happen between uh, the guy who went after 
Matthews and Patrick Liney, seeing what he's what he's gonna gonna sign because he he led Winnipeg too. So I think I think it's gonna be interesting. Bad lately. Uh, well, he, he has been kind of like one of the corner source don't Winnipeg, but that's a different discussion. So that's all I'm gonna just end on that one. If the Coyotes are like decent at the end of his contract, does Matthews go to Arizona? Why not? And why not? Why not spurn Toronto? Yeah, <laughs> especially if he has a cup, I think he totally would do it. But that, but also, why not spurn them and take a take a hometown discount? <laughs> yes. Oh man, the tire fire that would start. <laughs> They'd be rioting oh. in the streets. Oh, that would. It'd be great. All right, but um, speaking of a team that might be good, um, let's talk about teams that are not good. Um, and I believe okay. all of our teams, our teams. fall yeah. under that category of teams tanking. Um, now, teams tanking, the teams in the East, uh, Robbie's team, myself, my own team, New York and Detroit, uh, they're tanking fairly decently. They're, they're dropping points. Uh, they're doing it right. Pretty much left <laughs> yeah. and right. Um, on the West, however... Uh, the teams are tanking, but it seems like like every team is tanking, including uh, both wildcard teams, uh, leaving at the same time this, this race for the playoffs completely wide open, um, saving, I would argue, probably every GM's job in the <laughs> West, making their, their lives a little easier. Hey, but we're only four points out. I mean, L.A., is at 50 points and they're yeah. five points out of a wild card spot. Yes, they, they're they under hot. 500 by what, like three games <laughs> or three yeah. points? It's it's bad. Um, do you have the standings pulled up, Ryan? I do. What is the goal differential of the second wild card team right now? The goal differential of St. Louis, which is at the uh, second wild card team, is. Oh, negative, they're in a playoff spot now? It's negative yeah. six. Or minus negative six. six? Minus six. Okay, that's actually not as bad as I thought it was. Well, um, next you have Vancouver, and they're at minus 13. Yeah, well, that's true. Let me Um, pull that up. Then you have Colorado at minus 1, Edmonton at minus 22, Chicago minus 22, Arizona minus 17, Anaheim minus 51. Worst in the league. (laughs) Los Angeles minus 32. But again, LA is only five points out of a playoff spot. Yeah, yeah. Every team that is in the playoffs in the East, uh, I'll have a positive goal differential. And pretty significantly so, except Columbus, I guess. Plus nine. Not great, but not awful. Right. Right. So, um, Evan, oh, I guess we'll start with you since your team is, is trying to tank but is still in the playoff hunt <laughs> and are definitely close enough that I could see Randy, maybe I don't know what the Ducks' schedule looks like at the end of the year, but I could definitely see the Ducks getting a soft spot, and Randy being like, "This is it, boys. Here we go," and then making a push to at least, you know, two a point, two points out of the wild card spot. <laughs> what, are, what are your thoughts on the team here? I know you want the tank for Hughes. I don't think there's any chance they make the playoffs at this point. Just there's so many teams that are ahead of them now. Um, I know points-wise they're still right there, but this this team was was bad, but being covered up by like spectacular goaltending. The goaltending's actually still been pretty good in terms of like advanced metrics, mm-hmm. but the team's just getting shelled every night now. They were bad, and then Kasha got hurt. Who this guy that was a seventh round pick like four years ago is now like their best player, which is I don't know if that's 
sad or not, but he got injured and things have went from bad to worse. They have now lost six in a row, like outright lost six in a row. Um, that was after two wins in a row. Before that came 12 losses, some of them in overtime. But that means they've lost 16 of their last 18 games. There is no worse team in the NHL in the new year than the Ducks. Like, like the, any way you want to slice it, they're getting outshot. They're getting outscored. They're not winning at all. It's just, um, it's just disastrous. And you can go back, I don't know, what was it, like three weeks ago maybe, when they had that really bad loss to I think like Minnesota or something, and everyone was calling for Carlisle's head. That was the point where this thing could still be turned around. That was the point where you fire the coach, bring in someone that knows what they're doing, and uh, the Ducks still could have been making that push for the playoffs. Mm -hmm. But they decided not to do that. They decided the answer instead was to trade away one of your, I guess, I don't know if I would even say like better possession players, but he's been pretty good since he's gone to Dallas in Cogliano um, for a younger but not quite as good player. Trade away um, your second leading scorer in Aberg for nothing, for an AHL prospect that's not even a prospect because he's like 26. Um, just every decision that has been made since then just makes you think that they're trying to tank when I guess they're not trying to tank, but it's it's happening anyway. So now now there's rumors they're trying to re-sign Jacob Silverberg, which, great, he's a good player, but he's 28, and they're probably going to sign him for, like, six to eight years. So, like, what the fuck? Why would you do that? <laughs> and then now I was listening to uh, Bob McKenzie's podcast, The Bobcast, today, and he mentioned uh, that, you know, the Ducks are listening on everyone. First thing he says is, could they trade Hampus Lindholm? And my God, would that be the worst decision you could make other than maybe <laughs> trading Gibson? Um, and then he said that maybe they uh, they might trade Henrique. And he specifically said Carolina, which is like, yes, please. That contract's terrible, too. So, I mean, like... Jeez, he's got five years left. Cam mm -hmm. Fowler's got eight years left, and he's need, 27. If, if someone will take him, they need, to, they need to trade him. But I don't think they will. I think he's going to be the next captain. Um, but yeah, so the Ducks are accidentally tanking, and it's working because they're fifth last in the league um, and falling fast. Detroit and uh, L.A. are one win away from catching the Ducks, passing the Ducks, that is. Um, and they both have a game in hand. Same thing, New Jersey has two games in hand and are only three points back. Like The Ducks are giving themselves a great shot to finish with a top-five pick which would be the first time they've had a top five pick since, I think, Bobby Ryan. So, I mean, like, the Ducks definitely could use uh, a restocking of the cupboard. So I'm on board for it. I was a uh, vocal leader of firing Randy Carlisle from the minute he got hired. That's um, true. I always can attest to that. Check yeah, the tapes. Yeah. Check the tapes. For the first time since he's been hired, I am I'm Team Randy. Keep him around. Let the accidental tank continue. <laughs> Get Jack Hughes or Capo Caco, and then uh, then can his ass bring oh, in uh, bring in uh, Dallas Akins and now, uh, Ricard Gronberg, and and let's make this thing happen now next hear, year. Hear me out. Here's what you're gonna do. You're gonna make a poster, and on that poster is gonna be a giant tank, and on top of that tank's gonna just gonna be Randy Carlisle's face, 
and yeah. the the barrel of the tank will be his nose, like Pinocchio. <laughs> or... And and on that say it'll say like this team can make the playoffs. And it's like he's lying. <laughs> and then you just say that and be like, You're a great job. That's not bad. You're a great tank. That would Randy. require me to go watch the ducks play hockey again though. So that's, that's right. the one flaw with your plan. I'm, I'm sure or when uh, game coming or up. when they're playing the sound of the sharks, <laughs> just get like a a shark's mouth with Randy's head just kind of sticking out of it. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. Okay. Just um, my laughter. <laughs> but yeah, I mean the Ducks do have head to head. I don't think they play Detroit, New Jersey, or Ottawa, who are the last three teams. But they do play LA, I think three or four more times and. My dad jokingly says every uh, every time he talks about the Ducks is that they're never going to win a game again this season. And for a while, I was like, come on, they're going to beat someone. They're, they play Ottawa later this week, uh, and Ottawa's on the back end of back-to-backs, but nope, they lost that one too, four to nothing <laughs> tonight. So it's just like, yeah, no, this team is, um, is very bad. But I, I think Robbie and I were talking about it, and, and sorry to go on forever about the Ducks, but... We haven't really talked about them on the podcast uh, recently, so. Uh, but Robbie and I were talking earlier, and what was it you were asking about? Robbie is like, is is it time to go like the way of Detroit, or what well, was your yeah. question? Well, yeah, like basically the time for the Ducks because they've had like these great runs and all that, kind of like what Detroit has had. Now is it kind of time for them to finally just start falling down and just like, hey guys, let's just start rebuilding right now? Yeah. So and so, I think it's interesting, right? Because. I keep saying accidental tank because the Ducks did expect to be a playoff team this year. Like, they wanted to be good this year. Yeah, and, uh, and I think almost all of us were kind of thinking, well, they will at least compete with, like, San Jose or Vegas or Calgary or someone. Well, like no, that. we were saying they were going to make the playoffs because the, they were gonna the be like Pacific on the is so batshit poor that <laughs> there would be a chance. And who knew the Pacific was going to be great except the depth. <laughs> the top three teams, pretty good. Yeah, I think, and I think to answer that question that, um, and do it on the air this time, uh, I think that the Ducks are actually sort of set up for that rebuild on the fly kind of thing. Um, I, I think obviously like Getzloff, Kessler, and Perry, you're sort of stuck with them and they're old and they're not going to be productive. Um, but the Ducks do have some of those young pieces in the system already. And I, I think I was saying this in our group is that, you know, like, there's some debate about whether Sam Steele and Troy Terry are going to be difference makers of any kind up at the in the next level, but even at like the lowest projections, people seem to think that they're going to be top six guys. Uh, same thing with Isaac Lundestrom. And like the Ducks have guys that can support an elite player. Um, they just need to get that elite prospect, kind of like the Rangers in a sense, right? Where like the Rangers have their... Buchnevich, and maybe this is a good transition into your team, Brian. Um, but they have like Kravtsov. They have these guys that are going to augment an elite player. They just need to get that Jack Hughes. They need to get that Capo Caco, whoever it might be. Right. They need that piece to build around. And I do think the Ducks, they have the franchise goaltender. They have a pretty good young defense um, if it doesn't get entirely uh, torn apart in this retool that everyone's talking about. Um, all they really need is to bring up those young players and have somebody that can be a difference maker because if Getzloff can still be like a 50 or 60 point guy it, as he ages, if, if he does age in, in like a 
Joe Thornton light kind of mold because uh, they're because they are similar type players. Obviously, like you can't project anyone to be Joe Thornton because he's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, but like if he can be a great second line center as he ages or even a decent one, like they just need somebody to fill in that top role and they have the pieces around the edges to I think make it make it work, or at least be competitive again. Well, but actually, too, like you actually bring up a good point, too, as well, because assuming that um, Anaheim would at, at this point would finish with the fifth, fifth overall pick, assuming that the lottery, you know, holds and they get the fifth overall pick. We're talking about either Cousins or Doc for Anaheim in that case. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's too early to say exactly who they would pick. Well, you know? well yeah, like, but, I, but if we're going off of like, hey, this guy's going to be probably like Doc and Cousins after the will probably come after Hughes and, and Kako if they don't if they don't get him. Yeah, and, and who and really knows how good they are, you know? Yeah, and, and that'd be interesting, too, because you can have, like, whether it's Getzlav or whether it's Kessler, kind of take the take the face off for a while and kind of be the guy before you start slowly phasing those guys in, too. So you know, I think Kessler's going to mysteriously find drugs in his pocket across the border, uh, <laughs> a la Mike Richards this offseason. It seems like uh, <laughs> that's the way the wind is blowing right now. But, oh, man. Seems like that's enough about the Ducks. <laughs> what, uh, I talked a little bit about the Rangers, though, Ryan. What, what do you think about? I mean, they're kind of. Yeah. I don't want to call them resurgent, but they're. I mean, they're playing okay. They're above five hundred. Yeah, I, I'll say this: um, the Rangers probably aren't tanking as well as as some of the fans might like. But I feel like being a, a major market team like New York, or, um, like LA, like your Chicago's, it's. It's a little bit harder to um, get your fans behind a we got a tank, um, especially <laughs> when the Rangers have a player like Henrik Lundqvist in net, who even on his off days can kind of keep you in the game. Um, plus, a lot of the the the, the fans are going to say, you know, we got a we got a our our playoff window is still open as long as Henrik Lundqvist is in in net. Um, so I I think that. Uh, Coupled with uh, David Quinn, um, I feel like his coaching style has very much improved the team. Um, yeah, he's been impressive. Yeah, especially with giving some of the younger guys more minutes, but also keeping them uh, more responsible, I guess you could say. Um, so if, they, if they're if they not having a great game or if, if visually he sees them and is like, it looks like you're not trying your scratch tonight kind of thing. Um, to try and kind of send a message. I think he's done well with that. Um, I think the biggest thing is is the lineup situation. You don't necessarily have guys like Buchnevich or uh, Foss kind of buried on the fourth line with with uh, Jimmy Vesey playing top line minutes. Um, you have more skilled offensive players playing up top. The uh, kind of extremely surgent year of Mika Zibanejad has been kind of like the bright spot in this Rangers tank of like, holy crap, here, like, here's a guy that I don't think the Rangers expected him to, or at least Ranger fans expected him to be this good, mm-hmm. um, especially considering he was more or less traded one for one for Derek Broussard. And yeah, and I mean, I think like it gets a little muddied because um, I did see people talking about that uh, this week that like Derek Broussard was for sure like, at least a two a second line center and a pretty good one when right. the Rangers traded him away and that's kind of what Mika Zibanejad was but just younger right 
Right, and, and in that sense, I say it was a great trade just because they did get younger. Mm-hmm. Um, to whereas now you look at Broussard, he's kind of getting passed around the league a little bit. Um, right. But part of that's due to his decline because of his age. Um, but I, I feel like uh, just just watching the team from, I guess, a fan perspective and just not necessarily getting too much into analytics or, or ice time or, or shot suppression, things like that, just from a visual standpoint, this team looks better than it did the past couple seasons. Um, and it, it kind of gets you excited seeing guys like uh, Philip Chidel making you know, mm-hmm. certain certain plays on the ice where he can pick it up, take it across the ice, and go score a goal like he did. Um, I think he did it against Boston and did it a game or two before. But he's had a couple games where he's scored some goals where it's like, holy crap, Like that's amazing. Um the one thing I will be interested to see is what the Rangers do for the trade deadline um, yeah. with guys yep. like Chris Kreider and Kevin Hayes, uh, because I feel like that will really show what at least Ranger management feels like the uh, rebuild will look like long-term. Um, because I feel that if they trade Kevin Hayes and they trade away Chris Kreider to try and get assets, shoot, even trade away Matt Zuccarello um, just for picks or for assets or depth players, then I feel like the, the management saying, okay, you know what, maybe this is going to take a little bit longer. Um, maybe we're not going to be able to do this uh, and become competitive again during you know Lundqvist's remaining tenure here in New York. Uh, if it was up to you, what would you do? If it was up to me, I feel like... See, I, I want to say try and extend Kevin Hayes. Um, the issue is is his age and the term is what would worry me. Um, How old are they? Kevin Hayes is 20... 26 six? and Chris Kreider's 27. So okay. my, my thought process is and if I'm them, um, I'm looking for a six or seven year deal with this next contract. Uh, and so I don't know if I would want the Rangers to give them that. Um, especially because I don't think Chris Kreider is going to get any better than where he's at right now. I feel like we have sure. him at his peak. And so I say, why not trade him away to um, a contender right now? Let him have a chance at winning yeah. the cup. Um, yes, I guess it comes down to what you can get because like, he is sneakily one of the better wingers in the league, I think. Right. Well, with his speed and just kind of his his ability to get to the front of the net and kind to of take that, out goalies, that skilled net to break their presence. kneecaps. Well, because you look at it this way, uh, you look at a guy like Brian Boyle. Brian Boyle is similar in the way that he just goes to the front of the net and stands there um, to kind of screen the goalie. Chris Kreider does the same thing, but Chris Kreider is a little bit faster, maybe a little bit more skilled on the puck. Um, Sometimes it's hard to stop. Yeah, bring I a little know bit what you mean. more to the table. <laughs> Hey, I mean, is it his fault Carey Price never fully <laughs> recovered? I like to think not. <laughs> um, and then you get a guy like Matt Zuccarello. Zuccarello, I feel like, is someone that, I don't know, I, I feel like you're, you're not going to get as much in return for him. Um, I feel, I, I personally as a fan wouldn't want to see, I would prefer to see Hayes or Kreider get traded over Zuccarello, which is weird considering Zuccarello is 31. Yeah, um, he's like a fan favorite, though. But right? he, he is very much a fan favorite. Um, but I mean, honestly, looking at this team outside of you know 
we'll say 25 being older. You got VC, Strom, and Mika at the 25-year-old. Uh, Nemestikov and Hayes at 26. And then Kreider, Zuccarello, and Jesper Faust are all 27 and up. And yeah. So everyone else after that is 24 or younger, which makes me go like, all right, sweet. Like we have like that young core is already kind of there in the team, at least for the forwards. Um, yeah, we for sure don't talk enough about how bad that Strom for Spooner trade was in terms of the, the Chiarelli trades, just because there's so many bad ones. But man, like he's been good for the Rangers since yeah. he came over, right? Yeah, he has. I mean, and I, I wouldn't say he's necessarily put up points per se, but he's been a better skater <laughs> for the yeah. Rangers and just a better puck moving forward. Than, sure, and than everybody knew it was going to happen too because it's Spooner, man. Right. And speaking of smart Ranger moves, they did uh, trade back uh, McCloy to uh, to Nashville, who they picked up on waivers. So they picked him up for free. When they picked yeah. him up, everyone in, in, in kind of the Ranger fandom was like, why the hell are we getting this guy? We, we just got rid of Tanner Glass. We got rid of our, <laughs> our scrapper, our lovable scrapper. Why are we picking up McCloy? And he honestly didn't do anything of memory like at least with tanner glass it was like oh yeah he scored uh that, that back, one playoff that, goal <laughs> that one playoff goal exactly um and he, he got in some pretty good scraps i, I like mccoy i don't think got in into very memorable fights he didn't really score any significant goals and they were able to get a seventh round pick for him and, and who knows i mean seventh round pick do you just you shoot your shot hopefully it lands yeah um, exactly uh, but honest- i mean hey they're doing the right things then yeah, and then, I mean, looking at the defense, you can tell the court, they're hoping Brady Shea develops into that skater, um, that, like, number one defenseman. I don't think he'll end up becoming that guy, uh, but he is great with the puck at his feet as far as a puck-moving defenseman. Neil Point, cause I think, will be closer to what the Rangers expected um, as far as being that top-end defenseman. And then Anthony D'Angelo is, is I think, perfect on career for shootouts. So he's had two shootouts uh, attempts, scored both of them. It, it was elite. Um, goaltending, Georgiev's looked really good in net. Lundqvist has aged like a fine wine. Um, I feel like he is letting a couple goals in that I think in previous seasons he would be able to maybe recover and get to. Um, and so I don't know if that's age or just he's facing so many shots every night he's just exhausted. Uh, but... It, that that worries me a little, but I, I, I st- I'm still fine with Lundqvist getting the bulk of time in net and Georgiev just kind of being that stopgap skater because Georgiev, I don't believe, will be the Rangers' starter or their main guy in net. Um, they're going to wait for their Russian to come on over. Yeah. Um, so I, I kind of talked about it a little bit with the Ducks not having that you know elite young guy. And, I mean, the Rangers obviously kind of similar, right? They have a lot of good young players. But where does that elite guy come from? Because it's starting to look like the Rangers are going to be good enough this year, not to make the playoffs, but probably to be on the outside of that bubble. Right. And, and so that's looking like maybe it's a top 10 pick. But, like, what, yeah, do, you, what, I, what do you think they need? I, I, they, they, I, in my opinion, I think they need either an elite. They, they need a forward, in my mm-hmm. opinion. I feel like the defense is... You can piece it together enough. 
Um, you can bury Mark Stahl. You can bury... Uh, well, that Mark Stahl is kind of the only biggest uh, liability. liability. But yeah. even then, his game... He has nights where it's like, holy shit, he's playing really well. Um, for him, kind of deal. <laughs> um, but I think they need an elite forward. Because uh, you look at all of these superstar teams, they have an elite forward or elite center, right? Winnipeg's got Line. Um, he's a winger, but Wash- yeah. Well, I, they got Shifley. Forward. They got Shifley, they got Line. Uh, Washington's got Backstrom and Ovi. Um yeah, you definitely Toronto's win on top end guys. talent. Yeah, so I feel like they would need a top end forward more than a top end defenseman. Um, so would you go in on like a Panarin, maybe? I, I, I mean, would, maybe not right now, like, but in, in the off season when he's available. Possibly, just depending on what he would be asking for, um, because I think if he can come in, he could, he could, he's definitely shown he has the ability to be that scorer. Uh, my worry is Panarin end up becoming similar to a Rick Nash to where he has that scoring ability all season and then just sort of disappears in the playoffs again. Mm. Um, and and that would be, I, I don't think it would be as bad as Rick Nash because Rick Nash is more of a, a concussion issue. Yeah, um, and Panarin was scoring. very good in the playoffs um, for um, Columbus even though they lost. Right. So I I mean definitely I would say sure if if the the price is right there's there's nothing wrong with that. So um Yeah, I think I think that would be something I think the Rangers would do. It does seem very Rangers to like say, "Hey, we're doing a rebuild" and then like one year later sign the biggest free agent on the market. Yeah. I don't know. I honestly I I like where we're going now, I trust in Gordon. Um, I think he's made some relatively smart moves, um, or at least nothing that's kind of been two step backwards, one step forward sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so, and it, he does seem very. If if it's not going to be a smart move, he's not going to make a move just to to move a player. And right. so I I can I would rather have a goalie like or a GM like that than someone that's like Chiarelli <laughs> just. Oh, <laughs> Let's make some chains. <laughs> Gotta save my job. Exactly. But yeah, no, I, I, I don't know. I think the Rangers are in an interesting spot. I think if they can tank out maybe the last month, they can maybe catch up to some of those uh, bottom bottom 10 teams um, and get a better shot at a, at a good lottery pick or, or higher, higher draft pick. But if not, I mean, they're not in a terrible place. Who knows how that the, the Russian winger... Uh, Krevstov ends up developing into um, once he comes to America and, and starts playing. And over who knows here. when that'll be? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, to be determined. Hey, if I get his buddy Panarin, who knows? True, true. Uh, Robbie, uh, we got about I don't know, ten fifteen minutes left. Do you want to talk on uh, Detroit? I know we kind of oh. took a lot of time on on New York and, and Anaheim. No, no worries, but I mean, those are kind of like the two most interesting teams, I think, versus Detroit. Um, so, I think it's looking like we're going to get another top five pick, because there are some, like, high notes that I would at least like to start off with. I see that Larkin right now has 51 points this season, and he's leading the team in goals. 
any second with assists just behind Nyquist. So I think from a high note, you can say Larkin is at least showing up to fill that high spot for Henrik Zetterberg or could maybe do that. Yeah, go on, guys. What's going on? No, go ahead. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah, okay. yeah, you got, you got uh, the floor. Yeah, no worries. So I think uh, in terms of that, I think that would be a good one. I do know there's rumors that they might trade away uh, Nyquist, which I think you could get them at least a second rounder for him some, and maybe like a couple of prospects for him if you're lucky. And I was actually a little surprised by this, but Andreas Asnesiu is second on the team with goals. He's at 17, which I think was a little bit higher than what I think people would kind of expect from him at this point. And even Bertuzzi, I thought, has been taking off during the season. I would like to see more out of Anthony Mansa, but Bertuzzi, I think, is going to be that good third liner and producing where he's at right now with the wings. If he can maintain that consistency for, for his career, I think he'd be a good third line player. Okay, and, so and surprisingly, um, uh, Chowalski though has showed up to the to the game too as well. But yeah, things been uh, pretty good. Yeah, so go with all, with all that, so yeah, so there's some Detroit players that are playing pretty well, but they are 29th what? in the league right now in points with 49 points in 54 games. So, what do you think like the difference between this team right now and the next playoff team, the next contending? Red Wings team is like what do they still need obviously Zadina is going to develop and you hope Chalowski is going to be good and Hironik is going to be good but what do the what do the Red Wings need in your mind to really take it to the next level what what position are they missing talent at you know what what, what's the next thing that they need now to be truthful they could use almost every anything but it's a brutal so, question. Brutal question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there is, there yeah, is no wrong I, answer. I, let's just take a Ronick and Chalowski for for example. Right now, I think they've, I think they are going to be good, good defensemen. But will they be that like elite defenseman? Probably not. And I'm looking at this draft. It kind of seems, at least this year, is going to be pretty heavily forwards. Which again, I mean, like um, it. If the season ended today and if the lottery went their way, they'd have the third overall pick. So I'd probably go with the right wing out of uh, Russia right now. But I'm P- kind of thinking... or whatever? Yeah, P- Pavlovskin. I-, I don't know how to pronounce his name. But okay. I think... Uh, yeah. But I look at the defensemen, though. The only top ten defensemen, at least right now, that I see is Bowen Bryan. And it would be kind of interesting to kind of see will Detroit kind of, again, this year kind of like in the situation they were last year, which was, do you go with the defenseman that you have like a desperate need at, a very desperate need at, or do you go with the best available player at that time? Now, I don't right. know if Pud uh, Gwaltskin is going to be exactly like Phillips Adina in a sense, but I think he... Yeah, well, so the problem with him, though, Robbie, is, and I don't know how much you've read about... Um, how do you say his name? Pud, Pud Lowskin or something like that? Call him Vasily. We'll <laughs> that's not easier um he's uh so he's kind of got to come over from russia and the the word from the scouts is that he will not be coming over to the united states or canada um for at least two to three years so are the red wings in a rebuild you think that long i mean I, this is getting like heavy into speculation of like yeah, will they yeah, take yeah. this guy will they take that guy but like is this a thing where the Red Wings are looking for some help right now? Or do you think they're willing to kind of ride it out 
knowing their history of tradition, but also knowing where they are right, right now. Right. Sure. Sure. And and I. And actually, it was actually kind of funny to answer that question. I'm going to bring into another thing I was just reading up in my spare time. But, like, Holland was pretty much thinking that he would be out by the time that Lidstrom retired. And that didn't didn't happen. And I do know I think uh, Holland is considering maybe going over to Seattle when, when they expand. Um, but I really just don't see Detroit even being a bubble team within, like, a three- to five-year period. So it could be... It, at least if, if Vasily's like that can-miss big-time prospect after, obviously, Kako and Hughes, that would be tempting. But but so I think, I mean, that's the thing. It's like I, I really don't know exactly what Detroit would do in that situation because, again, I really do think Brian could be probably the best available defenseman that they could get in this draft. And he's, the, and he's just outside the top five. But at the same time, though, I think this Russian player could be very interesting for Detroit Russian to maybe gamble with. Very interesting. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but but I think he could be uh, maybe if if there could be worse that third overall pick. Consider assuming that Detroit gets it, and um, it would be very interesting to see on that spot. Yeah. So I think I saw Ken Holland gave like a press conference or something, and he said that. Zadina would be coming up at the end of the year just to get some NHL experience. And how, how do you feel about that, bringing Zadina up at the end of this year? Well, actually, I think I was reading that um, Seattle can't take him as long as he doesn't play nine games. Mm-hmm. After nine games, then he can take him. So as long as you're going to get him in for at least like five or six games, I'd, I'd actually be happy to see that. Get him in for eight and a half. <laughs> eight and a half. <laughs> I, I don't even know how you can do just, that. Just but like, pull him halfway through the game. That's the easy part. Eight tops. Eight tops. Eight games tops. I'd like to see that. But um, or at, or I, I do know uh, Grand Rapids is actually doing pretty well, and I think he's been major contributing. So maybe just finish the year out down there and then get him up there next season. Mm-hmm. Well, do you have any other thoughts on uh, the Red Wings and sort of where they are in the process? Um. So. I think uh, definitely getting Zadina and Valeno last draft was definitely a big one. So I think at this point they should be focused on, uh, at least my strategy would be, be what, what can I get with the draft and maybe look to trade away um, Nyquist and Green, just or DeKaiser for that matter, to, to get them because Zetterberg's out and I think Cronwall's going to be the last one out. I think he's probably going to be done after this year. He's still playing? Jeez. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. He, well, he's Swedish. He's tough. <laughs> but <laughs> but I think after this this year, Cronwell is probably gonna 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 leave, and I think it's just time for for them to just move on now. Yeah. So okay. Well, I guess to to close it out, then guys, all three of our teams suck this year. Um, I guess Brian's a little less so than ours, Robbie. Um, right. Right. As long as we're not counting the Sharks as your team, but. Uh, the question I guess I'll pose to the two of you is next year, next couple of years, like which which team, uh, which of our teams do you think hits like that relevance, hits the playoffs, hits contention, whatever you want to define relevance as first? New York. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of with you. I think New York's probably the team. I mean, they seem the closest. If, if it ends up, I, I would say the only reason the Ducks uh, might also be in that conversation is just how 
bad and the, the Pacific and the West in general is. Yeah. Um, they honestly just need Gibson to steal a couple games and the to for the forwards to mainly just be not as bad, don't get as shelled, mm-hmm. and they end up winning a couple here and there. Uh, do I think that happens? No, because everyone's a year older, and I don't necessarily see them improve all that much. But hey, who knows? They win the draft lottery. They get that first overall pick. Maybe they do a lot better next year. Yeah, you know, the NHL owes them from that Crosby draft, right? So, <laughs> yeah, the only argument I would say that Anaheim really would have in that case would be, um, one, they've got they've got the elite goalie. So uh-huh. if he... And, and I mean, the Rangers have that, but they, he's the prospect now. I mean, like Lundqvist isn't exact. He's not bad now, but he's not what he was. Right. So, I mean, like, I, I think you could hope that Gibson can sustain what he did early this year for a whole season. And <laughs> that gives him a chance. Plus, the Ducks have been it's like a, it's a terrible excuse, but they have been the most injured team in the league this year. So, I mean, like maybe if they they have some of the guys like Kasha, especially stay healthy. But I still think the Rangers have the pieces that are closer to the NHL, um, where I think they could be pretty good in the next couple of years. Robbie? I think, barring injury from Lundqvist, I got the Rangers being the most likely team out of the three to get to the playoffs. <laughs> um, Anaheim, to me, seems to be an interesting situation, just again, because Gibson is a pretty good goaltender, and that defense is still pretty young it's just i like to see what they what the forwards can do just because i think Getzlaff and perry's time there is pretty much coming to an end and detroit yeah it's gonna be a while before we even see a playoff appearance we'll we'd even be lucky if if we were just even just out just like the third or fourth team looking outside so i'm going with new york barring an injury from lundquist <laughs> Well, there you go. All right. Well, uh, that will bring us to the end here. I hope you guys enjoyed the show. um, And hopefully we'll get out to you guys again next week. Yeah. Thanks, guys. All right. Have a good weekend. Yeah, thank you. Have, Have a good weekend, everyone.